Hello, this is Matt Burgess from the New Zealand Initiative. I'm joined by our Executive Director, Oliver Hartwich. Good morning, Oliver. Morning, Matt. We've just seen the conclusion of a wonderful football tournament uh, in Europe, Euro 2020, concluded in 2021. Thank you, COVID. England's run to the final for me was the highlight. It was uh, brilliant to watch the football. I only watch about five football games every four years, um, and this was three of them. Um, I was cheering for England. Love to see the football, love to see the country get in behind them. Home final for England. It was just brilliant, and it was uh, too bad they couldn't uh, seal the deal. But, uh, and I know that you were watching the tournament uh, keenly as well, Oliver. Sorry about Germany. Uh, yeah, it was totally deserved. But at least Germany survived the first round, unlike the last World Cup. Well, you've won seven World Cups or something, so um, you'll get over it, yeah, I'm sure. Not, not quite, not quite. Not quite. Close enough. More than most of us. Uh, but anyway, the, as fun as the football was, the championship um, did leave a sour taste for you. What's going on? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a bit old-fashioned. I think football should be about football. Football is 22 players, a ball and maybe a referee, and then it's fun to watch. But this European championship, I think that was about everything else, not about football. It was about profit maximization for UEFA. It was now played across a whole continent where the um, teams had to crisscross from place to place, where previously it was just played in maybe one or two countries. It was played with 24 teams, and I mean, let's face it, I mean, how many competitive football nations are there in Europe? Maybe not quite 24. I mean, previously, we played the European football championships with just eight teams over a couple of weeks. Then they blew it up to 16, now it's 24, they'll probably get to 32 in the end. So it was not about football anymore, it was about everything else. All right, let's talk about the politics first. What were you seeing in terms of the political shenanigans uh, on the football field? Quite a few things, actually. I mean, starting with the sponsors. So 12 main sponsors for the tournament and four of them from China. One of them, Qatar Airways from another country with a questionable human rights record and then Gazprom, the state-owned oil and gas giant from Russia. You sometimes wonder whether UEFA, after all the corruption scandals in the past, struggles to find sponsors from liberal democracies and that's why they're very happy to go for well, more questionable places to source their sponsors from. And then these sponsors, of course, um, they also try to have their politics. I mean, the few remaining sponsors from liberal democracies try to actually display their progressive agenda, had rainbow um, banners, for example, for some of the games. Um, and nothing against the goal, of course, nothing against the progressive goals that the sponsors wanted to display. But I just wonder whether a sports tournament is the right place for political messaging, especially then when UEFA, when push comes to shove, actually backs down on this kind of stuff and then rather gives in to the uh, host nations, for example, Azerbaijan and Russia, again, not countries with um, splendid human rights records. They didn't like this promotion of gay values, LGBTIQ plus values, and they just banned the banners and UEFA bent over backwards and said, no, okay, in which case we can't have them. So we're seeing a pretty selective entry of politics depending on time and place. Uh, folks taking the knee in some uh, games but not others, is that correct? Yes, um, I mean, that's a problem. So on the one hand, UEFA pretends to be for example, totally climate-friendly. So they are compensating for the emissions flying between all the different places, even though the whole thing is not played across Europe. UEFA also has a commitment, of course, to diversity and anti-racism. And yet, of course, we all know what happened to the three Apu players at the end of the uh, tournament when they missed the penalties. There was open racism from the spectators, and it was totally disgusting, actually, what we have seen there. Yeah, it was awful. I was really sad to see that uh, as well. I mean, look, who isn't, uh, frankly? But let's just talk about why politics is coming to the sport. Is it 
the conflation of the objective with uh, the time and place appropriate um, expression of values uh, in favour of those objectives. Is this, are fans booing not because there's any question that they're racist, but because they want football to be about football? Is that what's going on? I think that was um, behind the motivation for some English supporters to protest against bending the knee because they didn't want to conflate the different things. Except at the end of the tournament, you could probably see that it was totally necessary to confront that because there is racism among some parts of the supporters. And there has been for a long time. It's going back at least 30 years uh, that um, colored players um, had a problem, actually, um, because they were um, booed off. Or I remember, actually, in the 1990s, it happened quite often that bananas were thrown onto the field. Mm. Awful, absolutely awful, and um, they haven't actually dealt with it in 30 years, but they're still pretending, of course, that everything is fine with all their virtual signaling from official uh, football managers. And that's what it is. Uh, And once you've started taking the knee and allowing these other issues to come in, it's going to be hard to uh, stop doing it. And then the the other question is, what else? Um, How do you say no to other issues? issues as they come up. Pretty soon we'll be having all kinds of uh, objectives and political issues um, coming into the game. Well, that's one thing. But what really irks me is the hypocrisy. So on the one hand, UEFA, as the governing football body, pretends that they're really climate-friendly, really pro-diversity, really against racism, really for the LGBTIQ plus community. And on the other hand, if the sponsors demand something else or if the host nations of these um, different football matches demand something else, UEFA is willing to bend over backwards to make that happen too. I think the thing that, that I most noticed out of all the issues that were um, in play was COVID. Uh, I noticed the two teams running out separately for the final. I understand for COVID reasons. Uh, at Wimbledon, you saw interviews, post-match interviews happening with the interviewer and interviewee uh, three or four metres apart. All of this happening watched on by by tens of thousands of people sitting cheek by jowl. It just struck me as absurd, and it raised the question in my mind whether um, this obvious inconsistency is actually doing more harm than good to the very worthy causes that are being pushed here. And, and that's another example of total hypocrisy on part of UEFA. So first they said um, we have to make sure that this is um, totally COVID-friendly and therefore social distancing requirements and you had to have a negative COVID test before you get into the stadium or you had to have recovered from COVID and so on. Then you look at the um, pictures on TV and it looks like a normal football match in pre-COVID times where people are standing side by side and celebrating and chanting together. Well, not surprisingly, after one of the uh, group matches in St. Petersburg, Russia recorded the highest COVID incidence of any city since the start of the pandemic in St. Petersburg. Mm. Well, not a great surprise there. The other thing is actually, I mean, UEFA pushed for 2,500 VIP visitors to get into Britain without the usual quarantine requirements. And UEFA had threatened the British government saying, well, if you don't allow that for the finals, then we'll take the finals somewhere else. And Budapest was ready. Mm. I mean, Viktor Orban, the Hungarian prime minister, would have loved to have the final. And so UEFA put pressure on Britain to, A, increase the number of spectators for the finals at Wembley, but also to get their own 2,500 VIP supporters, probably a lot of them from sponsors, into the country without quarantine requirements. So not quite the responsible way in which to host a tournament. And I suppose the other risk is that by allowing politics in so broadly and generously, um, the risk is that you turn the game into something that's not 
a place where people of different backgrounds, different politics, different ideas uh, can come together and just enjoy the game. Exactly. Um, I think this is actually destroying sports on so many levels. I mean, the first thing to destroy the sport is actually to blow up the tournament until it has 24 teams competing. Well, I mean, Europe has a few more countries, but not all of them are great football nations. The whole point of having this final round is actually to have the best football teams together and not to have the likes of, well, I shouldn't mention any particular country. But, I mean, nobody gets up in the middle of the night to watch Iceland play North Macedonia. We all want to see the great football nations battle it out, actually, over this tournament. That was actually what made previous European football championships such great tournaments because you had really the classics being played. And I think with 24 teams, it's too many. In the future, they want to have 32. At some stage, they'll probably run out of European countries to compete. You know, if you think that's a problem in football, Oliver, it's a good thing you're not a fan of rugby league, where there's about three teams in the world that can take a world championship. Uh, and pretty much every game, except for the semi-final and the final, uh, is effectively between Iceland and Macedonia. Well, maybe that's the reason why New Zealanders were so interested in the European football championships. I mean, I've been wondering anyway why this tournament was so popular here. New Zealand wasn't in it. Football is not the national sport of New Zealand, so why would anyone really bother watching all of this stuff? That's a great question. I watch about five games of football every four years, uh, and I've just used up three games in my budget uh, to watch England and their path to the final, and I have to say, I absolutely loved it. I don't cheer for England in anything, but it was just so brilliant to see these perennial underdogs who so love their football finally... Um, turn out a great team and get all the way to the final and very nearly take it. So I mean, the other question I have for you is actually, um, okay, if you are German by background, of course you have a, a special affinity maybe to the German national team. But if you're a New Zealander born and bred in New Zealand, why of all teams would you voluntarily pick England as your team? It's a good question. I don't really have a good answer for you, but I do. It's the exact opposite in every game uh, other than football, I can tell you. Everybody loves to beat England in rugby. Right. So put it this way. So you basically everybody underdog. Everybody hates losing to England the most in rugby. Put it that way. So you pick the underdog on purpose. I don't know what it is. There's no science here. I just feel excited about England and football. That's the best I can tell you. Hmm. The other thing I found interesting, actually, let's talk about sports and the economy. Um, Since 2006, some interesting countries have actually won the tournament, just in case you haven't realised. But 2006, it was Greece, totally Mm. unexpected, uh, with a German coach, by the way, at the time. It was Otto Rehagel, from my hometown even. And then after Greece, it was Spain twice, then Portugal, and now we have Italy. So all the countries Mm. bailed out in the Euro crisis. So maybe there's a connection, I'm not quite sure. So borrowing predicts success in football. Sort of like cheating, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, the only country that, uh, well, actually, there are two more countries that received some money at the time, Ireland and Cyprus, so maybe that's something for the next year championships. Well, exactly. You know where to put your money. Yeah, absolutely. Oliver, thank you. It's been great. Thank you, Matt. Cheers.